Welcome to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's very first podcast focused on entrepreneurship and investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Today's show guest is Ashley Galina Dudaranak, who is the founder of Alaris International, which is a marketing agency with a focus on Chinese social media. Ashley breaks down the Chinese social media landscape for us, giving us a great overview of the various platforms and players out there, and what exact strategies a foreign company can use to effectively launch a successful social media marketing campaign within China. All right, let's get right into the show. All right, Ashley, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you on. Thank you so much, Jay, for having me. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. So, uh, Ashley, why don't you, just for the audience, uh, give a little bit of introduction of who you are and what you uh, do for a living, maybe. Yeah, so I'm the China marketing expert. I've been living in China for five years and then in Hong Kong for seven, so 12 years in the region. And it's always been about China, about the marketing, about Chinese consumers. I'm extremely passionate in that. And uh, since recently I'm blogging about China, I own two companies that are uh, helping international brands with Chinese social media. And we also have a platform that helps internal teams to understand Chinese social better. So that's what I do for a living. I uh, pretty much tell people what China is all about, help them succeed there and um, spread the knowledge that I have out on YouTube channel and through all other interviews and uh, appearances that I get a chance to participate in. Yeah, it's fantastic because you uh, you really provide a lot of free value and videos. I've seen some of your videos uh, online, and it's really a good resource for for any listeners that are listening in that just want to learn about how social media works in China, which is very it's it's different than the rest of the world, and we'll we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. But um, it's I, I encourage you guys to uh, check out her channel and and uh, yeah. So so let's let's take a let's take a big step back and talk a little bit about your background as an entrepreneur. What uh, how did you end up where you are? You know, tell us a little bit about uh, about how you came. Um, yeah. So for me, entrepreneurial journey started uh, seven years ago, uh, six and a half. Um, for me, that time, I was working in uh, PR and marketing for a while, and um, I was headhunted to a different industry. So I had to leave my uh, PR firm and, uh, you know, become corporate partnerships manager. And I didn't really want to leave, you know, uh, this focus and link with China because all my previous marketing work was China related. Um, so yeah, I established my own company just on the side at first. Yeah, because people kept coming to me for advice and I thought, okay, this is a nice side income. So that's how it really started. And then two years down the road, um, uh, this bigger client came to me and said, you know what, I want you to execute this project. Can you do that or not? And at that time, it would cover uh, six months of my expenses. And I said, why not? So if not now, then when? So I quit my full-time job. I jumped into it. For the first couple of weeks, I worked from home and in my pajamas in the living room. Uh, yeah. And uh, then I hired my first person, then the first office. And yeah, and now we are where we are. I've got two companies and I've got, uh, you know, 15 people in one company and six in another. And uh, yeah, so we're growing. 
That's unbelievable. It's like a um, entrepreneur's uh, dream when your side hustle, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, you, you, you know, you land that first. It, all it takes is that one big break and then it can change your life, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, so how did you learn uh, your expertise then about, about China, particularly Chinese social media? Because you aren't Chinese. Uh, yeah. by, by background, so... <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm not Chinese. I was actually born in Russia, in the Far East. So mm -hmm. I really like telling people that I was born in Asia because geographically, uh. <laughs> the Russian Far East is really close to uh, China, Heilongjiang, and close to Japan and uh, North mm -hmm. Korea even. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. yeah, I was born there. And of course, we had a lot of contact with Asians. You know, there were merchants, there were business people coming about. And uh, uh, so I was never, to be very honest, particularly interested in the Chinese culture. Uh, but I, I always felt that this was an incredible country, you know, to do business, especially in the 90s as Soviet Union collapsed, as China started opening up even more. It was extremely interesting to watch that transformation firsthand. And when the opportunity came, when I was uh, 17 years old, uh, 16 years old, then um, opportunity came. I could choose any city, any university, you know, to go and study and, you know, do stuff. I just, you know, I just felt that, okay, um, actually, India and China are going to be driving the world in the coming 20, 30, 40 years. So why not choose between the two? And um, yeah, I think I took the right, uh, the right path <laughs> and went to China instead of India, though it's another amazing economy. But for China, back you know, 12 years ago, very few people um, understood the language, understood the culture, or even went there directly. If somebody wanted to do business with China that time, they went to Hong Kong or Taiwan. So Russian, R Russians were probably the first, you know, entrepreneurs that went to China to Guangdong to Heilongjiang directly, and uh, yeah. So I went uh, went to China and I took on a small project there to basically work, and I also enrolled in uh, in university there. Um, studied Chinese very quickly because I needed it for you know for work and for study. And that's how my journey began. I learned everything that I had to uh, because I was not in one of those crazy big cities. I wasn't in Beijing or Shanghai. I was really in the, you know, uh, in the whole of the world. I was in Chongqing, um, which is population-wise the biggest city in the world. Um, yeah, so oh, that's really? how I started. Mm. Wow, interesting. And what, what, sorry, what made you choose that city instead of any of the other ones that you had at your disposal? The project that I was invited to run was in Chongqing. And besides, oh, okay. yeah, and besides the only person I knew from China at that time was also from Chongqing. <laughs> so the choice, I mean, not new, but new a bit better. Yeah, so uh, that made the choice very easy. And to be very honest, uh, 12 years ago, there was no Wikipedia page about Chongqing. So when right. I was, as I bought my tickets, I seriously thought that I'm flying to a village with, <laughs> with barely some plumbing, you know. Uh, yeah, but when I landed, I figured out that this was a yeah, metropolis. It was huge. It was beautiful. It was incredible. And wow. yeah, I had a blast. Wow, amazing. So how long were you there for? Uh, four, four and a half years. So I like to say five because it sounds better. So I, right. Yeah. And, and were you, uh, so when you landed and stuff, did you, did you start learning Mandarin right away? I mean, was that 
Yeah, so, sorry for your business. Exactly. So when I came to China, I couldn't uh, couldn't really speak Chinese at all. So I could say ni hao. That was pretty much it. <laughs> and uh, by the time I was leaving, yeah, I was very fluent in Chinese. Um, in half a year, I passed uh, Hanyu Shipping Culture, which is the um, like TOEFL, like HSK, um, right? For 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 basically um, basic university in, uh, uh, university enrollment, etc. So I passed that in half a year. Um, to a wow. sufficient level to enter, you know, uh, and get my education. So I got my business administration in China as well. Um, in Chongqing University, I studied together with the Chinese uh, students and MBA students and stuff like that. So it was really, really fun. And um, yeah. That's incredible. You just <laughs> literally attacked it and dove headfirst into, I, you know, I mean, Chinese is not an easy language to learn, especially for a foreigner or someone that isn't, you know, has no experience or, you know, I've tried many times and I failed. To be very yeah. honest, I find Chinese very simple. I don't find it easy. I find it very simple. So grammar is incredibly simple. Um, mm. The words are incredibly simple. They are constructed of very, you know, very simple short words and every long word is just a combination of a few basic characters, basically. So it's really, really easy but you need to change the way you look at the language. You cannot learn it as another Latin language or, you know, as, uh, as uh, anything else. You need to start from scratch as a baby. First, you learn to listen, then you learn to speak, and then you learn to basically read and write. Uh, I think right. most of the foreigners do, yeah, do it the wrong way because they try to comprehend too much. Too much. Yep. That makes sense. I, that's that's pretty much what I tried and failed miserably. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, thanks for sharing some of your background. So let's let's uh, let's skip forward now to uh, after you sort of uh, got your first uh, gig. You were doing your side hustle, and you you realized, hey, look, this is a this is actual business. I could become, I could do something here. And so you quit your day job and you went full time into. And this was just it was marketing at the time. Yeah, so to be very honest, I mean, my business, uh, my dad always told me that business needs to start with business, not with idea, right? So mm -hmm. he, he basically told me that if, if you're making cupcakes and somebody comes to you and says, you know what, Ashley, your cupcakes are awesome, I'm going to buy those. So then your business started. But if you're sitting right. on your couch and say, you know what, I'm going to make the best cupcakes in the world mm -hmm. <laughs> and I will need that much money to invest in my business before it even sells the first thing, my dad would always say, yeah, that's not that's not really how business shall start. And maybe that's a bit old school, but for me that worked. So basically, uh, All right. so the person came to me at uh, that time, the project came to me and they said, this is exactly what we want you to do. We know you're capable of doing that. Um, yeah, will you take it or not? So I took it and um, I, I did have sort of a business plan, but to be very honest, it was very vague. I knew that whatever I was doing um, would cover my expenses for half a year. I knew that I wanted to link it with China because China I knew best. And uh, uh, so, but marketing in China or, you know, project management in China is so vague. It's just impossible to call it a business plan even. So now when I look back, I really think that this is a crazy thing to do. It was amazing, <laughs> but a crazy thing to do. And of course, it, you know, in the coming three years after I quit the full-time job and went into business full-time, um, we went through phases where you just need to start saying no. 
And that's the scariest thing. So projects keep coming to you. And I mean, marketing in China can be events, can be PR, can be social, can be, can be this, can be that. And as a small business, the biggest mistake that you make is you take everything because you need to pay your bills. So, so you say yes, 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 yes. And um, you fail to specialize. You fail, you know, to tell them what exactly is your thing. And you, you, you even fail to understand it yourself. So for us, the big break came when we started saying no. No to the big clients who paid really bad money. No to the projects that, again, that wouldn't make sense for us. No to something that we didn't want to do. And uh, once we once we focused just on China social and um, uh, you know and focused on a few clients that really worked well, uh, they started bringing similar people into our circle. So our whole business was through referral. 100% by referral, through referral. We didn't advertise, we didn't do anything, and it was growing and it was successful. But we had to start saying no first, and that's scary. Well, you know, there's there's something to be said uh, for that, for sure, because, um, you know, I mean, there's, when you're first starting out, you want to please everyone, and you want to you wanna take on a, a, as much business, and you, and you feel like you can, <laughs> and to a certain point, you can do it, because you're hustling, you're hustling, you're staying up late, you're burning the candle on both ends. But then, uh, as you mentioned, you, you quickly realized that, you know, there's a saying, the riches are in the niches, you know, I mean, yeah. the more you specialize, and you literally just focus on one thing, and you go all in on that, you know, that burn the boats, and you just go straight, like full on into that one thing that you're, you are, you own, you're the special, like anyone that wants to do social media in China, they go to Ashley, right? And so there's, there's a lot of power in that. And then, and then of course you can start raising your prices, right? So yeah. you become like a premium service. So, um, so, so let's talk a little bit about actually Chinese social media. Now, uh, social media marketing is, is, is all the buzz these days in the last few years. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, hype around it and a lot, and quite frankly, most people don't know how to do it effectively, even in the West. Um, and so even more so the challenging must be, uh, China and China is very nuanced in the way that people do social media, um, well do business in general, but social media particularly. So maybe you could give us a little bit of a 101 of what the Chinese social media, uh, landscape looks like. Uh, and then we can, we can go from there. Yeah, definitely. So China is extremely different. We all know that. And uh, the first thing to understand about China is that really it's not one market. I think a lot of people still are not getting that. They think that they are entering China as one single market. But China is more like Europe. So it has 23 mm. provinces. It has a cities of special administrative, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, format. And uh, it has 33 distinct markets, just like Europe. And you will never start selling or marketing the same way to somebody from Iceland as you do to somebody from Spain. And the same way in China, selling to somebody in Shanghai is very different to, you know, trying to market to a guy from Guangdong or from Heilongjiang. And um, so that's the first thing. Uh, however, there are two things that unite the whole market in a way. Um, and number one is Putonghua, which is the Mandarin Chinese. Mm -hmm. A Mandarin was introduced uh, into China in 49. Yeah, so it's a generated language. It's, it's not right. an organic language. And literally, no matter where you live from Urumqi to Guangdong, you speak that language. And the second thing is social media mania. So in the past 10 years, all the millennials, all the young people, everybody who is basically, uh, you know, late um, 80s, mid 80s and onwards 
um, are on social networks. And right. the first big um, social platform that, uh, that uh, won the hearts of millions of Chinese people was Weibo. It is still um, the second largest uh, social platform in China now. Um, it is basically a microblogging site. So think about it as a, as a hybrid between Twitter and Facebook, but with a lot more functions. So on Weibo, you can, you can buy, uh, there's a purchasing function. There are, uh, campaign functions when they basically have the preset campaigns for you to fill in and, uh, you know, put out the gifts out there and you can run it right away. Um, uh, yeah, so Weibo is quite amazing. And when it just started, uh, there was uh, the war between different types of Weibo. There was Sina Weibo, Tencent Weibo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Sina won. And uh, then more and more platforms started popping up. Zhenzhen was another great platform, but it died out. Um, and back in 2011, uh, WeChat came up. So Tencent uh, mm -hmm. introduced WeChat, which is is uh, uh, not really like WhatsApp. A lot of Westerners don't understand what's the big deal, just the Chinese version of WhatsApp. So it's really an operating system for life in China because it has, it gives you an opportunity to, um, you know, to send uh, a newsletter directed to the phone of your followers. It gives you an opportunity to um, link the uh, online shop, to have an app, to have your customer service, to launch campaigns or H5 pages, you know, with all these videos and clickable uh, clickable stuff. So it's, it's, it's quite comprehensive uh, and very beautiful. Uh, besides that, there are more than 60 different platforms from, you know, live streaming platforms like Miaopai, Ijebo, to copycats of YouTube, which is called Yoku in China, uh, mm. which is like a, like a specialty marketplace with reviews, etc., etc., etc. So there's a lot of niche platforms that we never even heard of outside of mm -hmm. China, yeah, uh, that are extremely popular, have a lot of followers, but they are just, you know, specialized. The largest ones are WeChat and Weibo. Right. So those two are pretty much like the institution. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, there was, there's this whole theme of sort of, um, of the China and the rising middle class and the technological innovation that's happening there. And, and one of the, one of the most exciting things is, um, when you talk about Tencent is the fact that, uh, most people in China, they actually don't even carry wallets anymore. They do everything <laughs> mobile banking, right? And so that's a clear case of, uh, China having superseded uh, the U.S. or the West um, when it comes to technology. You know, I mean, before it was always, oh, this is the Facebook of China. This is the XXX of China. No. Right? <laughs> China is, has, has far surpassed them. So that's quite exciting to see. So uh, as far as when it comes to social media marketing now, uh, so let's say I am a client and I come to you, Ashley, and I say, oh, Ashley, look, I really want to get my company into China. So let's say I run a, um, I don't know, a clothing company, uh, a fit fitness fitness uh, apparel company here in yeah. Hong Kong, and I want to get it break into China. So I come to, your, to, come to Ashley and I say, look, um, here's what I want to do. What's the best strategy uh, for me to get into China? Yeah, so the first thing you need to do is to really understand whether you're ready for China. Yeah. So China is really not for everyone. Uh, it is it is a it is a crowded market. It is an expensive market and it is a market where you need to invest long term. So if somebody comes and 
let's look at this. Uh, if it is a big company that you're bringing to China now, most likely you're already late. If you are mm. a new product that's getting into China now, like you, you're new in US and you're new in China, you need many millions of dollars to actually promote unless you are in, you know, in a very special product category and you've got a really niche market to reach. Um, mm. And if you are a small business, um, it might be just too much of a market, too much of, again, the time investment, money investment, et cetera, for you to enter. So there, there is no, um, you know, there's, there's just these threats everywhere when you talk about China. So again, as a company, you need to understand whether this is the right market for you. How to do that? My advice is always ask yourself a question. Is China your top priority for the coming year? If your answer is no, yeah, I've got Hong Kong market. As you said, I'm a apparel company uh, in sporting goods and, uh, you know, I'm from Hong Kong and I want to sell in Hong Kong. This is my first priority. Then China shall not be on your radar. Only mm. if you say that for the coming year, China is my most important market. I'm in this game long term. I really understand why I need them, why I need to get into that market. What do I want to achieve there, et cetera? Then you need to start moving forward. So I see. If that's the case and you're ready to move forward, um, again, you, you need to, well, by then you hopefully already understand your consumers and you understand where they are geographically. You already know which bit of China you're going to target first, because right. as explained before, you cannot, you know, cover the whole country in one go. <laughs> yeah, impossible, impossible. Right. So you say, right. okay, you know what? I'm going to focus on Shenzhen or I'm going to focus on Guangdong only. And uh, then uh, you definitely need to set up uh, your social accounts. Yeah. So for that, uh, for some platforms, you would need China registration. For other platforms, you do not need China entity. Um, mm. uh, then uh, the content is extremely important and context is even more important. Yeah. So for content creation, everything needs to be in Mandarin Chinese, written really, really well. Um, the major reason for people to unsubscribe from social networks, for example, like WeChat, is actually repetitive or not enough content. So although mm. those people are overflooded over with so much stuff, they still say original content is just never enough. And, you know, wow. uh, brands cannot offer them enough stuff. Um, so, yeah, and then you start uh, building that community, which can be built through um, advertising, which can be built through uh, bloggers, which can be built to reaching out to offline communities, organizing offline events um, and trying to cross promote, basically do the service butter, etc. So once you already activated one social platform, let's say Weibo, and you already got, let's say, 100,000 fans within a year then you can expand into, you know, other regions or other platforms. Unless you have a lot of money, don't go on all platforms at the same time. Uh, it's right. going to be tough. Um, and also, if you had to choose between two platforms, for instance, if you only look at WeChat Weibo, uh, maybe Weibo is a better platform because oh, really? it's, it's an open platform. Uh, you have an opportunity to collect more fans. For WeChat, it's extremely difficult and expensive to get people follow you. And then chances are they're going to unsubscribe because, I mean, you as a person, you're giving somebody permission to send you push messages. You really need to like that person or like that brand, you know, to do that. That's true. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Mm. go ahead. Go ahead. 
And yeah, and just just another strategy, if you want to avoid, and in some cases it's possible to avoid the big boys, so not go on WeChat and Weibo, you can always mm. try to activate and basically roll out your marketing and sales strategy through smaller platforms, for example, like Xiaohongshu, or you can just work through live streaming platforms. It's also possible, but for certain product categories. Interesting. So you, you made an interesting uh, point uh, earlier, uh, before you ran us through sort of the scenario, is uh, saying uh, something along the lines of uh, if you think that you can come into the Chinese market or many brands come in and, and they realize that they're too late, uh, the foreign brands coming into China and, and, um, and is the reason because the Chinese consumer tastes have changed and now they prefer uh, local homegrown curated uh, products as opposed to import products? Um, uh, there are many reasons and it really depends on the category. But first of all, if you are a big company and, and you're not yet in China, I mean, there must be something wrong with you. Where have you been 10 <laughs> years ago? Yeah. I mean, just look around yourself. There's really, there must be a problem. And this problem is either bad management or bad planning. And either way, you are too late. Because if you are going to go into China now, there are, well, presumably all your more aware competitors that already occupied the market share. Right. And you are right. just going to fight so much harder and invest so much money. So it will not be market entry. It will be the battle for Rome, you know, replayed. <laughs> um, so that's one. And of course, another thing is, uh, yeah, so if you have a new product uh, that recently is very successful in, uh, you know, in... Uh, Europe or in US and you want right. to bring that product into China you need to understand that you will most likely have to adapt it before introducing it into the market um, you know when I was in China first when I when I when I got to Chongqing um, Chinese consumers were primarily at least in Chongqing followers so they would see me buying a piece of cheese and they would go and buy the same brick of cheese because they thought oh the foreigner knows best and you need to know that in supermarkets, I mean, in China in general, people don't eat cheese. And in supermarkets, this was, this was like the loneliest corner of the, you know, dairy section. You would just never have people there. But they were followers. And if you wanted to sell something to China, you just had to put, you know, made in USA or made in New Zealand or made in Australia. And it would go and do just fine. Right yeah. now, it's very different because... Chinese consumers are honestly the most sophisticated consumers that I know. Um, wow. They know what they do not want. They know what they want. They know that they are driving this market. So basically, if you want to sell to them, you better play by their rules. You better uh, be fast, uh, efficient. You better, you know, offer them the colors and the styles that they want. Um, at the same time, you need to, you know, establish genuine connection with them. So it's not that easy. They are not, you know, they are not those guys that are standing outside of LV stores and queuing up to buy five bags. I mean, each person who is standing there has a story why he is there exactly. But majority of uh, savvy online modern consumers are extremely different, extremely sophisticated. So uh, preferences and tastes are different. Market realities are different. Um, uh, yeah, and and a lot of companies don't understand that. 
Yeah, I think that you bring up a good point because a lot of people that haven't been in China or haven't done business in China, they still have this perception that it's <laughs> like, oh, it's a third world country. Like exactly. You, just, you could just throw anything in there and one, 1. 1.4 billion people will buy it for $1 and you'll be a billionaire. <laughs> so you're all set, right? Uh, <laughs> so I think one of the big takeaways uh, from our conversation today is that, yes, China is extremely sophisticated when it comes to consumer spending and shopping uh, habits and this sort of thing. So don't think that you can just steamroll your way in there. Now, I have another question for you, Ashley. So a lo- I, I would think about, um, say, 10 years ago, there was this big sort of uh, trade movement of e-commerce from sourcing cheap products from China outside. And I know that that still exists. Now, there's also recently I've seen some of these higher end, uh, almost artisanal boutique type brands that come into China, and some of them actually are fairly successful. So uh, I don't, I don't, can't think of a, uh, anything in particular off the top of my head. But let's say, for example, like a high end, um, I don't know, leather goods or something like uh, artisanal that comes into China. What do you think about that trend? Is there does that trend have any legs? As in, if you are someone outside of China that is a entrepreneur or you're starting a business that is creating a very high end boutique type product, is there a chance that you could actually, you know, penetrate that market? Yeah, for sure. I mean. China is the, you know, the new America is the new land of opportunities. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it can happen in uh, China, <laughs> it can happen anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if your product is extremely unique mm-hmm. and if you are able to find people to promote word of mouth, you're going to be extremely successful. Mm. If you cannot find people that love your product enough to actually uh, promote word of mouth for you, it's going to be a huge fail because you cannot, with advertising budgets, you just cannot, you just can't do that. Right. Okay, so actually this leads us into another key area that uh, you have expertise in, which is sort of influencer marketing, but in the Chinese style, which is uh, sometimes referred to as uh, KOL marketing. So maybe you can talk about that. And would that be a viable strategy for, let's say, my boutique high-end leather goods products? Like, would that be one of the first touch points that I would want to hit is try to find some sort of influencer on the ground to help me spread word of mouth marketing? Right. So, no, totally. So, KOLs are basically the key opinion leaders or bloggers, right? Uh, they are mm. extremely, extremely popular and uh, powerful in China, uh, a lot more powerful than their counterparts in the West. And they do drive a lot of purchasing decisions. So, not so long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, 90 uh, Mini Cooper cars were sold through WeChat. I mean, this, that's crazy, right? <laughs> wow. And uh, hundreds of bags have been sold in 10 minutes, again, on social media. Um, a lot of live streaming uh, platforms that are linked with microblogging sites are also specifically catered to sell. And uh, you know what the biggest difference is? In the West, we actually mind. If somebody's trying to sell us something on social, we are, we are quite upset, right? We, we went to Facebook to look at you know kitty cat pictures and stalk our friends, <laughs> but we didn't go there to be sold. Right, exactly. Uh, but, but you know, um, in China, social media is used... In 
in a way um, to find new products, to find recommendations, to listen to the voice of the blogger that borrows his uh, hopefully, you know, um, advanced understanding and, you know, uh, of, of whatever is happening in fashion world, etc. So people are looking forward to that and they are hungry for, you know, to try new things and they are interested uh, and they buy. So um, uh, bloggers offer this uh, additional endorsement and uh, they have a, a huge database. So for you as a small brand to build a database of hundreds of thousands or millions of fans is going to take many, many, many years. Mm. So that is why, of course, it's, it's, um, it's a great way to tap into that, uh, into that network and see whether your product really has potential or not. So before, before just placing all your hopes on that one blogger promotion, I would strongly right. suggest to, um, you know, budget some money, uh, or, or, and, and time, of course, to actually understand whether people are interested or not. Yeah, do some, uh, do some testing. And through that, again, you, you can use bloggers. So see what is the feedback, what is the understanding. And then if you understand that, yes, it's working well and, you know, people are generally interested, then you can start doing sales promotions. So how it usually works, you choose 10 bloggers and you run a promotion with them. Then you figure out, okay, the, these six are performing better and you run another promotion with them. Then you choose five and with those five you keep running promotion it's an ongoing thing so there's no such thing as magic magic bullet or do it once and it's over you basically need to keep reminding you know the bloggers database of who you are and what you do it's not the cheapest strategy um, because bloggers in China are getting extremely expensive as well, but it's definitely a very risk-free sort of, you know, um, uh, easy entry point into the China market. Um, yeah. So, and if you start with zero, as of with zero database, with zero current fans, you will have to promote your account to build and beef up your database. Um, right. So, bloggers add additional value there. So, would uh do you know much about sort of the online uh, like shopping er, like sites like like let's say this example would you connect then uh, with, with and trying to push the traffic that you're generating from your social media marketing campaign to say like a Tmall site or like a Taobao type site? How does that all fit into the big picture? Oh, so that's a fantastic question. One of my favorites. Uh, so <laughs> there are six major ways to sell uh, online in China. Yeah, so basically mm -hmm. the online channels. So if, if you're an international business, you can do that through your standalone website. Yeah, so you basically right. can uh, can have a website hosted back in US, and then you hope that Chinese consumer gonna stumble upon you and buy from you, and you can you know you can do business. So that's extremely difficult and really not viable because uh, it takes a lot of money to promote your standalone site. Uh, it right. loads extremely slowly, and uh, and uh, basically, even if the Chinese consumer found it, most likely they will not trust. They will not. Uh, they will not get the customer support that they need, and they would also be very unwilling to leave it up to a chance whether the product is actually going to be delivered or not, and if it's right. delivered, damaged. You know, so so this is just not going to work. The second, right. uh, the second way uh, to do that is through um, uh, online mall, and this online mall, for example, is uh, like uh, T Mall, yeah, or mm -hmm. JD. Um, right. or like Suning uh, or Yang Matho. So all mm. these are uh, online malls. What they offer, they offer people an opportunity to open their own store 
Like if you're a company, you open your own store and they are the platform that hosts those stores. So yeah. I'm, um, as a shopper, I will go to T-Mall and I will buy all different things and I can check out in one go from all these 20 shops that I visited. Right. Um, so running, uh, as, as you mentioned, yeah, so if we're giving, uh, if we're promoting uh, a link, yeah, and trying to drive traffic to some of our online, um, online uh, selling channels, uh, a lot of people make this mistake because they send traffic to their, you know, um, uh, to their um, uh, website, official website, and nobody's buying. And the reasons right. I just explained. But if you're right. sending traffic to your, let's say, Tmall store or JD store, to be very honest, you can also potentially be directing traffic to your competitors because just below your page, you've got the suggested products, which which True. are like cheaper, you know, cheaper guys here yes. or you know, better ones here. So it's it's also risky. Um, the third way to sell uh, in China online is through hypermarkets. So here, hypermarket, the difference is. They um, actually buy uh, the merchandise, like Western merchandise, and they list it on their platform. So it's not that you have to visit a hundred different stores, um, uh, but you go to, uh, you know, for example, Kaola is one of the biggest um, uh, hypermarkets. You go to Kaola, and all the products that they bought from overseas are listed, um, you know, there. You buy and you check out also in one go. Um, so it's like a, it would be, is it something like an Amazon type thing where you go to one large aggregator where they've curated their products from third parties? They don't curate, they buy. So they basically buy directly from overseas uh, manufacturers or brands, and then right. they list these products as the part of their merchandise. So you, okay, you, so you, yeah. So it's like a department store online where they, they basically, they buy, they're the middleman and then they sell it to you. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the, basically okay. they are the hypermarket. Yes, the, the model is B to B to C, right? Right. And then, of course, there are vertical specialty marketplaces. So these guys, for example, like Xiaohongshu, so... These guys are very, very particular in what they are selling. So, for example, it's only baby products or it's only cosmetics or it's only this, only that. And uh, the difference is that they are usually very focused on specific geography or target audience. And they very right. often introduce some social uh, elements into the uh, you know marketplace. For example, on Xiaohongshu, you can also review the products and write very long article explaining you know the whole experience. And they try to make it a lot more worth of mouth driven and these mm -hmm. these are the golden mine for so many international uh, international companies and it's such a pity that very few people know about it and use it again oh, really? yeah very very few people do that um, just to give you a few ideas of you know what these platforms are so one is called Xiaohongshu the other one is Beibei um, yeah there are basically four or five different ones depending on which category you uh, yeah you represent and the, the other two uh, options are flash sales website, which is basically a crazy idea, right? You, you go to something like Groupon.com, uh, <laughs> but China version, and you sell, uh, yeah, you sell um, limited, uh, limited number of products uh, on those sites. It's really good for brand awareness, but it's definitely not for money making. And, <laughs> and the last option is WeChat Store, of course. And how does WeChat Store uh, stack up against the other options? Yeah, so for WeChat Store, um, I think if you have a strong WeChat account already with enough followers, mm. 
when I mean enough, what I mean by enough is at least it needs to be, you know, from uh, 20, 30, 40, 100,000 fans because you need to have a database. Uh, so if you have a strong uh, database, um, I think it's a great, you know, it's a great way to, you know, to sell your product. And at the same time, uh, whatever you're selling on WeChat will have to be unique. So if you have um, other channels, let's say Taobao, or you have offline channels in China, um, you cannot really expect too much of WeChat because you need to be selling a special product. For example, in your offline stores, you are selling only blue shoes, but on WeChat, you allow your customers to choose the color or to mm. personalize. Or you say, you know what? We've got limited edition stuff which can only be accessible on WeChat. So you need to give them incentive. And then WeChat stores can be extremely popular and extremely effective. But if you just leave it out there, you know, and say, oh, you know what? It's WeChat store. Uh, nobody's going to come. And if it is your only channel and you don't have database, then you will have to invest a lot of money into trying to build that database and sell through that channel. So, it. yeah, it really depends which stage of, I would say, establishment you are at. That's pretty interesting, though. It's in, it sounds like there's a lot of tools at your disposal and, and based on what your product is and how, the, uh, you know, how you want to position yourself and where you are with your social, social media reach. Uh, there seems like a lot of options, um, but also that brings a lot of competition, I suppose. So that's why we need <laughs> Ashley to help guide us. So Ashley, why don't you tell us about your two companies and what they specifically do? Yeah, so um, my first company is Ellery's. It is an agency, a social media agency with focus on China. So we help uh, international uh, brands to get into China and uh, do basically social media marketing. So we manage their pages. We create amazing visuals and graphic design for their pages. Uh, we manage the community. We launch creative campaigns to activate the database. We work with bloggers um, and uh, we do advertising for those pages to make sure that social media strategy is sound, strong and delivers results. And um, my second company, which is called Chaozan, which is uh, Chaozan in English, and it means awesome. Um, it is um, an online uh, membership uh, platform for marketers that work with Chinese social media. So if you do not have, uh, I would say, enough money to hire an agency or for any other reasons you don't want to do social media or outsource social media marketing and you want to do it in-house, uh, the only way for you to do that is actually to hire a person and train him to be a marketer. Uh, and right. our platform helps you to do that. So we shared our uh, agency, years of agency expertise and experience in those comprehensive navigators. And we provide resources like lists of bloggers and we provide um, uh, case studies, etc. Um, uh, all for disposal of internal marketing teams. And you can subscribe and get access to all that to make sure that your learning curve and process is much faster, better, and more enjoyable. So that's uh, the second company. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds <laughs> like, uh, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense because you're basically feeding the, your, your experience in database from Alaris down to uh, something that's, that's uh, yeah, someone that wants to keep it in-house can use. So it sounds like the first, uh, your first company, Alaris, is the one that a company would come to if they, let's say my sports apparel company or a leather goods company or whatever, they would approach you and you would literally do like the one-stop shop complete solution, right? 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. Perfect. Um, that's awesome. And so, uh, Ashley, what what else? Uh, I mean, not that you have any free time. It sounds like you're pretty tied <laughs> up with your two ventures here. What uh, what uh, what exciting things are you working on for you know this year coming up? Or, you know, maybe in the next year or twelve months. Any exciting uh, projects? that you're working on specifically with either of your companies or personally? Yeah, so personally, I, I'm writing a couple of super exciting projects. So personally, I'm, uh, I recently started the uh, online uh, blog, which is called Ashley Talks. I'm also on YouTube uh, at um, Ashley Talks China. So I'm literally um, at the point when I feel the need to share that knowledge about China and Chinese consumers and, you know, China social and digital and all that mm. with, you know, with people. So it's a free channel. I share really a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, and I hope that it helps people. And of course, in the past, um, I would say half a year, I received so much, you know, uh, so much love and support from around the globe. People sending that, uh, you know, sending their regards and saying how amazing uh, this information was and how helpful. So that's what keeps me going. And this channel is active and, um, you know, it's growing. So I'm super, super excited about that. Um, uh, on, uh, on the other hand, uh, business-wise, we also as a company recently started venturing out into a, a new direction. So previously for six years, our company was focusing on, you know, helping international brands to enter the China market. And uh, this year, for the first time, we're actually helping a big Chinese uh, client to enter overseas and do marketing for them uh, outside of China in the West. So nice. it's also an extremely exciting development. And uh, fingers crossed for that. So um, very soon, Elleries will be the digital link between West and China, but not one right. way, both ways. <laughs> That's right. Two-way traffic is the best. That's awesome. It's so exciting. And I'm, we're really excited to see how it all pans out. But um, yeah, I mean, in the meantime, you know, like uh, Ashley said, she has a really good channel that she uh, does for free. And how often do you, do you put that content out? Yeah, so we've got three to four times a week uh, new YouTube wow. videos. So it's very, very comprehensive. And um, each video is about three to five minutes long. So it's really, it's really easy to watch watch and uh, honestly without without much modesty but also it's really the best english content uh <laughs> that you can find in in form of video and very often text um out there online so do check it out i try my best if there's any topic you would like to know you know about china do let me know and i'll try to figure out dig it out learn it and basically present you the best and most relevant picks because yeah i really enjoy doing that that's amazing. Thanks for the offer. And that it's, uh, and I, you know, again, to the audience, I, she actually is, is not, she's not bragging because I've, I've watched her stuff and it's very comprehensive <laughs> and she's actually very knowledgeable. So, um, you know, she spent a lot of time. So definitely, definitely head over there, check out her channel. So, uh, actually, where's the best place that our audience can find you, follow you, connect with you, or maybe ask a question for you to go investigate? Definitely. So you can always connect with me through um, uh, my email, which is ashley at chosen.co, C-O. Um, um, our company websites are elleries.com.hk and chosen.co. But definitely, if you want to connect with me personally and check out the blog, check out Ashley Talks com for free resources and YouTube channel Ashley Talks China uh, is also uh, a whole lot of playlists and videos about mainland China market. 
Excellent. And are you active on social at all? Uh, yes, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Ashley Galina Dudarinok. Yes, it's a very long and uh, hard to pronounce last name. But uh, if you if you type Ashley Galina, you can definitely find me. The same name will give you my uh, Facebook account, which is public, so you can follow. And of course, I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, I know I'm on Snapchat and I'm on Instagram under Ashley.Lina. <laughs> and we'll get them all linked up on the show notes. I don't know how you do it all, Ashley, but uh, you're inspirational for all all of us listening <laughs> in. So thanks so much for your time, Ashley. It's been such a pleasure. And uh, thanks for the insights on social media in China. And we'll be certain to uh, find you and follow you and, and watch some of your videos uh, that you that you provide for free. That's awesome. Definitely. Thank you so much, Jay, for having me. I really had fun. Cheers. Yeah, awesome. All right. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness. Yeah.